John chapter 10, looking at the parable of the Good Shepherd. I'm going to read the first 10 verses, and we'll just walk through those first 10 verses this morning. So John chapter 10, starting at verse 1 and reading down through verse 10. And God's Word reads, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. And he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Now this figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were that he had been saying to them. And so Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to destroy and kill. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Lord, we ask your blessing upon the reading of your word. And now, Lord, as we spend a few moments looking at this text, looking at these words, uh, that's quite familiar to us, actually. Uh, but Lord, would you uh, illuminate our minds afresh that we may understand um, what you want to say? We don't want to be like those who do not understand, or we want to be like those who understand. And yet we also know by understanding it holds us accountable for what we understand. And so Lord, help us also not only to understand, but to know how to apply it to our life here this morning and live it out. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. The good shepherd. The good shepherd. If the well, if if, if the, the the most well-known Bible verse, if the best-known Bible verse of all the biblical texts, if you were going to ask just about anybody, what would that be? It doesn't matter what your views of the Bible would be. Pretty quick, what's already you're thinking of, or what's already in your mind, and that is what? John 3.16, right? Think so. Well, if that's the most widely known single Bible verse, I wonder what is the most widely read or known chapter in the Bible. I think it's probably Psalm 23. Could be wrong, but that's what comes to my mind. Psalm 23 starts out with these words, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. There's a very popular picture that we see hanging around homes. You may have one in your home now. You may have seen one. We always had one growing up in our home. And as a, as a young man who liked to daydream a lot, I would often get lost in that picture. But it depicted a person that was to represent Jesus holding a little lamb in his arms, right? holding this little lamb in his arms, and, and it is a picture of peace, a picture of comfort, and a picture of security. Is it not? Is it not? Now as we start the 10th chapter of John this morning, it is with this image, Jesus as the good shepherd in mind, because that's who Jesus said he is. He said, I am the good shepherd. 
So first, the, the good shepherd is a leader, as we'll see here in these first five verses. The good shepherd is a leader. Second, we will see that the good shepherd is a guardian. Verses 7 through 10, the good shepherd is a guardian. And next week, we'll also see that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And so we'll start with verse 1, and that is the good shepherd is a, is a leader. And we're just going to work right through these first 10 verses that are very familiar for us. And the good shepherd is a leader. And you see it in verse 1. It says that truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone enters, does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. Now, then, a robber. now there's nothing unique to that verse, is there? And we understand it and we get it. If somebody is climbing up the outside of your house and climbing into one of your windows, what do you think, right? I mean, there's no question. This person, there's an off chance that the person might not be up to no good. Maybe was locked out of his house. I mean, we could certainly run some of those scenarios, right? But the first thought of our minds is going to be, especially if we don't recognize the person, of course, is what that person is up to is no good. And that's all Jesus is starting out with this story, this parable, or this analogy here this morning, is that if anybody enters into the fold of the sheep outside of this door, that person is up to no good. Verse 2, it, it tells us that, but he who enters by the door of the sheep is the shepherd of the sheep. Now, unlike our homes, and, and I know often we, we say that, you know, we have front door, people that come to the front door of the home, and then our friends come to the back door. We say some of those things, and, and we understand that. But unlike our home, there was one door into the sheep pen. There was only one door, and Jesus said, anybody trying to get into the sheep fold, into the sheep pen, I like sheep pen better than sheep fold, so I'll use that, um, is a thief and a robber and is not the shepherd. But someone who is there on purpose for a purpose and is supposed to be there will enter through the door into this sheep pen. It's only one option. There's only one way. There is no back door into the sheep pen. Verse 3 says that to him, to the shepherd that comes to the front door, the doorkeeper opens. The sheep hears voice. He calls his own sheep by name. And he leads them. We see four aspects here of the shepherd who comes to the front door, do we not? First, we see that the shepherd is known by the keeper. There is a person who guards the door of this sheep, so the sheep can't get out. And this person who guards this and lets the shepherd in knows the shepherd. Why does, this, why does he know the shepherd? Well, because the shepherd actually dropped the sheep off. So he knows the shepherd. The shepherd is known by the doorkeeper. And the second thing that we see here is the shepherd is known by the sheep. The sheep hear the shepherd's voice. They recognize his voice as he calls his sheep to himself. And that is the third aspect of this shepherd, the quality of the shepherd that we see. And that is that the shepherd knows his sheep. Shepherd doesn't just know his sheep. He actually calls them by name. He understands what their names are. He understands the name of the sheep. And those sheep are look very familiar, at least to me, they all look the same. But the shepherd has such an intimate knowledge of his sheep that he calls them by name. And the fourth aspect, the fourth quality of the shepherd that we see here is that the shepherd leads the sheep. The shepherd leads the sheep out from the sheepfold. Fourth, verse 4, we see that 
This is where the journey begins. And when He puts forth all His own, when He gathers them all together, in verse 4, He goes ahead of them. The sheep follow Him because they know His voice. Can you imagine the possible confusion in this community sheep pen? This community stockyard, if you will, where you got a smorgasbord, you got all kinds of sheep there and all kinds of shepherds who, who drop off their sheep. The confusion that can be there. And as the shepherd stands at that door, calls his sheep, the sheep understand and recognize not this shepherd, not that shepherd, but their shepherd, and they follow that shepherd out. And I find it interesting that he leads them. The shepherd does not drive his sheep. The shepherd does not get behind the sheep and nip at their heels. He doesn't even have a a sheepdog. But the sheep are so comfortable with this shepherd and that they follow. They know they have this relationship with this shepherd, that they can trust this shepherd, that they can follow this shepherd to wherever he goes. He does not need to drive them. He does not need a sheepdog. He doesn't need a prodder to drive these sheep at all. But they willingly, voluntarily follow the shepherd. The sheep hear the voice of the shepherds, all these other shepherds, but there is no confusion. Shepherds hear, or the sheep hear the voice of their shepherd, and they follow their own shepherd out. And I might want to make a point of of, of obvious application here, maybe if I, may, if I may. I mean, this must be us, right? I mean, this must be you. Do you recognize the voice of the Good Shepherd? There's only one way that you will recognize the voice of the Good Shepherd. That is to have a relationship with this Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd must call you by name first. First, the good shepherd must call you by name, and you and the good shepherd must have spent some time together. You and the good shepherd must have have to have some type of relationship together for this to be able to happen. How can you follow the one true God, the one true good shepherd's voice among all the other competing voices of all the other shepherds, beckoning, calling you and calling I, who come this way, come this way, How? If you have no relationship with the Good Shepherd, if you have no relationship with with Jesus, how do you hear the voice of God? How do you hear the voice of Jesus when you have all these voices telling you, describing you what Jesus is like? Well, we have Jesus created. we got the humanization of Jesus. And Jesus is like this, or Jesus is like that. And there's so many people that are putting their own descriptive words or descriptive attributes of Jesus upon him. There's so many voices that are calling you to follow and making these grand promises of having your best life now, calling you onto the path of ease. These false shepherds, they're only thieves and robbers. These false shepherds are like the ones of Ezekiel 34, which is exactly what Jesus had in mind as he was telling this parable, telling this story to those who were there listening. They understood what Jesus was saying when he drew this analogy of the good shepherd. And so I want to read just a, a few verses here for you this morning because it's, it's very applicable for us in 2020. And in Ezekiel chapter 34, um, I just want to read a few of the verse, maybe the first 10 verses here because it really sets the stage 
for what Jesus is saying in this parable that he's drawing here uh, of the good shepherd. And it says this, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, came to Ezekiel, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Woe, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding themselves, should not the shepherds feed the flock? You eat the the fat and clothe yourself with the wool. You slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. Those who are are sickly, you have not strengthened. The diseased, you have not healed. The broken, you have not bound up. The scattered, you have not brought back, nor have you sought for the lost. But with force and with severity, you have dominated them. They were scattered for lack of a shepherd. And they became food for every beast of the field and were scattered. My flock wandered through the mountains and on every high hill. My flock was scattered over the face of the earth. There was no one to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God. Surely because my flock has become prey, my flock has even become food for all the beasts of the field for lack of a shepherd. And my shepherds did not search for my flock, but rather the shepherds fed themselves, did not feed the flock. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds. I will demand my sheep from them and make them cease from feeding sheep. So the shepherds will not feed themselves anymore, but I will deliver my flock from their mouth so that they will not be food for them. And Jesus continue, or the, God continues speaking to Ezekiel on what Ezekiel there is supposed to tell the shepherds, the prophets and the preachers and the teachers and all those disciples who are there and, and taking care of the flock of the sheep, taking care of the, of, of, of the nation of Israel, taking care of the people of Israel. And they were there to, to lead them, to guide them. And yet we see that that isn't at all what happened. That isn't all what happened there. And yet we can see in over and over and over again where we see good kings rise up and bad kings rise up and the people going astray and being devoured by the peoples of the land, right? And that's the picture Jesus is drawing for the Pharisees as he's there starting out the 10th chapter of John. These Pharisees, these teachers of the synagogue, they perfectly understood. That's why they were so ticked at him, right? I mean, they perfectly understood what Jesus is doing here in this parable of the shepherd as we continue to go through it for the next few weeks. But there is only one way, and there is only one shepherd. There is only one voice. Do you recognize the voice of God? Do you recognize the voice of the good shepherd? In Romans chapter 8, verse 9, we see that if you belong to Christ, then the Spirit of Christ dwells in you. It is by this spirit that you will recognize the voice of the good shepherd, that you will recognize the voice of God. I mean, I know we all wrestle with that sometimes, do we not? We wonder, how do we hear? How do we know how God is leading? Or we hear these these other shepherds, these other people, these other teachers, these other friends, these other acquaintances that may be, And they try to lead us astray. They try to say things that God is saying or that God isn't saying. How how, how do you discern through it all when we know we've been promised 
by Romans 8 and elsewhere, that those who are committed to Christ have the spirit of Christ living within them. And we often hear people talk about, well, the Holy Spirit will lead us. The Holy Spirit will, will guide us. Well, that's, that's, that's nice. But how, how do we, how do we know that is happening? How do we know that is happening when we can look at a life and say, that ain't the Spirit of God that is leading you? We know that because it must be laid alongside the Word of God. The Spirit that is within you will not contradict His written Word that is left for us. Will not contradict it. If what you're hearing goes against what the biblical text is teaching, that is not the shepherd. That is not the Spirit of God. That is a false voice that you are hearing. You see, verse, verse 5 kind of kind of brings this home for us. It says, a stranger, they simply will not follow. I camped out on that little phrase for a while, and I don't know really what to, what to do with it, but I love this little word in there, this, this simple. I mean, a stranger, they simply will not follow. I mean, it's done and over with. It's determined within them. They are simply not going to hear or follow that voice. And it continues, and Jesus continues, or John continues as he's recording this for us. But they simply won't follow that shepherd. But they won't just dismiss it. They won't just say, ah, whatever. That's for them, not for me, but I am not following that. No, he continues with this, but. But will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. They won't just not follow. They won't just not follow this shepherd, this person, this voice that they don't recognize, but they will flee from it. They will flee from it. Listen, we have to be very careful to the voices we hear. We have to be very careful for, for those we sit in and amongst and the things that we listen to, wherever we listen to it. You have to be careful of what you hear from me. You have to lay it alongside the Word of God. And things that are not from God, things that don't line up with the Bible, we can't just be indifferent with it. We must flee from it. We must speak up against it. No, it's not popular. That's why we don't do it. But we must flee from a stranger. We teach our kids to do that. We too must take the advice we give our children. And so we see that the Good Shepherd draws us, leads us, doesn't drive us, doesn't force us. We also see in verses Seven, starting at verse 7, that the good shepherd is a guardian. The good shepherd is a guardian, so the shepherd leads, the good shepherd guards his sheep also. And in verse 7, we see, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Can Jesus be more clear? Is there anything that Jesus is unclear about in this verse 7? He says, let me make this very clear for you because I've been giving you this story and you're not understanding it. So let me tell you it one more time. I am the door of the sheep. There's only one way to get to sheep and that is through me. Verse 8, all who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear their voice. Now he uses all. We often see this done throughout the biblical text and we do it ourselves. Of course, it's not literally all people because we know there were some good leaders we know there were some leaders who did not lead the sheep astray. But for the most part, we see it over and over how these, 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 these kings were ro rose up and they led the people astray. We see the, 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 the most popular, the most famous, David, right? And David himself, 
struggled and fell as a shepherd. And also there. So Jesus is saying, listen, we have to be so, so careful that we're not led astray. That's why we have to, to flee from what we know isn't true, what we know is not accurate, because it can be so easy for even a man after God's own heart to be tripped up from time to time. It's just like many church leaders today. They also lead the sheep and lead the flock astray, do they not? I mean, we see pragmatism, and it's how you grow a church, by being pragmatic in what we do. We do things in a certain way, the how-to sermons, right? And have your best life now sermons and those types of things. It's a way that makes us feel good as we come. It's pepper rally type services. It's just, there's no substance there. We also see those who want to sow a seed and you'll be healthy and wealthy. I mean, these are thieves and robbers. They're feeding off the flock of the sheep. Listen, we must We must be careful when we know those voices aren't real. That's why we must flee from them because they can be so inviting for us to hear. They can be so soothing to the ear. We must, we must be careful. And we see it in verse 9. Jesus continues to get very much, very, very pointed. When he continues with verse 9, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. And we'll go in and out and find pastures. It's just like John 14, 6, is it not? Where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes through the Father but through me. Just as the sheep folds in the Palestinian countrysides, there was one way in and there's one way out. Jesus is saying, there's one way in and there's one way out. That is through me. There is no other way other way. Um, I find it interesting. Did you see the news on Friday where this peace deal that was made between Israel and the uh, United Arab Emirates? And, um, you know, I, I was kind of a fascinated. That's a good thing, right? Peace in the Middle East. Who's not been trying that for <laughs> since biblical times? And it was interesting as I, as I seen that announcement, I watched the replay of it there on YouTube, and I, and I seen that announcement that one person talked about, they call it the, the Abraham Accord. And I found that kind of fascinating, and I didn't really had to think about that for a moment, and, and the person who said they called it the Abraham Accord is because the three great religions of the world, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, all looked to Abraham as their father, and I was like, yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I know that, but sometimes when you see it in a, in, in a world sense, you, 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 it, does, it doesn't quite register. And I thought, that is, that is really a neat thing. But I thought, you know, there's three great religions of the world, but there is only one true religion of the world. There is only one true children of Abraham, and that's Christianity. Judaism does not want to come through Jesus. Islam does not want to come through Jesus. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and life. There's no other way but through me. Your heritage, your, your, your lineage, your bloodline, none of that matters. You must come through Jesus. Great news with bringing this peace to the Middle East, without a doubt. But let us not be fooled. There's only one true faith. And that is Christianity. It is that faith alone in Christ alone, that is it, that will save for all eternity. Now, as we will see, and as Jesus himself found out, that type of language will get you stoned. That type of language is not popular 
at all. This, this message of exclusivity in Jesus is not a popular message. There's many shepherds, there's many of those who, who want to tell you and show you there is another way. Jesus, this shepherd, is just, just one of the ways, right? Jesus makes it extremely clear. There is only one way that will save for all eternity. Listen, we can't shy away from that message. Now more than ever, we need to speak up and we need to stand firm and stand strong that Jesus is the only way. He is the only shepherd. Verse 10, Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, destroy. I came that you may have life and that you may have life abundantly. Jesus didn't just come to have life. Sure, we want a good life here and now. Who doesn't? You do. I do. We all do. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, if you don't, there may be something wrong with you. But ultimately, Jesus is looking and giving come for that abundant life. And sometimes we can become quite shallow. I can become quite shallow and only think that it's the life that is the here and the now. But no, as Don Kurtz discovered on Friday, right? There is an abundant life to come. And it's only through Jesus Christ, the shepherd. Jesus and Jesus alone brings eternal life. There is no other door. There is no other shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd who leads us and leads his sheep to eternal life. He also guards, and listen, he also guards for all eternity because he is the door. He is the door. I want to jump ahead just a bit. Verse 28, 7. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. They follow me. I give eternal life to them and they will never perish. They will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. No one. No one's going to just come into the sheepfold or the sheep pen and snatch you out and, and take you. You're secure in Christ. Jesus will guard those sheep that are, are his. I mean, that, that's, that's got to be great comfort that comes to our life. And we don't have to worry that somebody's going to sneak into our bedroom window, sneak into our house and take us. No. We're guarded by Christ. And Jesus says, listen, if my word isn't enough, let, let me go one step further. It says in verse 29, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hands. He continues, he says, I and the father are one. This is the good shepherd. The good shepherd not only leads his sheep, he guards them for all eternity. I mean, what a message of hope. Are you in the Father's hand? Do you hear his voice? Has he called your name? Has he called your name? How is this even possible? How is it possible that we can say such things? Well, that'll be, be for next week. Well, we will see that not only does the good shepherd lead and the good shepherd guards, but the good shepherd has done so by laying down his life for the sheep. And it just so happens, <laughs> just so happens, right, that next Sunday is also communion. I didn't plan it like this, but could be not be any more perfect than this as we look at the good shepherd laying down his life for the sheep. That's what we think about, and that's what we remember as we come to the communion table. So this week, 
May you spend some time be thinking about your relationship with the Good Shepherd, not in fear, because if, you, if he's called your name, you're eternally secure there. But if he is not, if he's not, you do need to be concerned. And if he has, and sometimes as sheep, we can wander here and there. Maybe you can just reflect upon your relationship with Jesus, with the Good Shepherd as we come to the Lord's table next week. Lord, I thank you for the promises that we have that not only will you lead us, not only have you called us, you, you will never leave us or forsake us. Lord, nobody's going to come along and just steal us from you. We thank you for that security, that assurance that we can have that only comes from you. Lord, you are the one true shepherd. We give you thanks for that. And Father, I, I do pray also that as we relate with our uh, uh fellow human beings, our fellow uh, men and women that we relate to throughout the week, and, and some of those uh, maybe who are outside this sheep pen. But how can we um, put the sense of urgency upon them in a loving way, in a way that doesn't drive them away, but in a way that points in a time such as this that just seems to be upside down. There is no need for panic. There is no need for fear. So Lord, I just pray that uh, we reflect upon our own life also, our own relationship with you, and what you may be asking of us. I pray, Lord, that we would hear the voice of our shepherd. I pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.